Good morning and happy Friday, everybody. Trevor Hall here with Mining Stock Daily and your weekly long-form episode here this Friday morning. We've got two segments to share with you. First, we welcome in from the Daily Dirt Nap, Mr. Jared Dillian himself, talking general market sentiment here. Uh, we get into a, kind of a long conversation about why he feels a bounce is eminent. Doesn't know quite when, but things are just so bearish right now he definitely feels something's going to give we then turn to jordan royburn of the daily gold to get his technical thoughts on the price action suppressed price action and gold the junior miners and the miners and we get a little sense of his macro thoughts here what might be the catalyst to get gold moving in the better direction that'd be up so a lot to take in here. I know it's been a very volatile week. A lot of people watch and read throughout their screens. I was one of them. But the good news is I'll be returning to Vancouver next week. Happy to see all my colleagues and friends up at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, the Yukon Mining Alliance. You can find me there most of the time. Special thank you to Integra Resources, Western Copper and Gold, Rio 2, and Arizona Sonoran Copper for their continued support of the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please leave a review of the podcast on that network you use to listen to all of our episodes from Mining Stock Daily. It just does us a tremendous amount of good getting in front of new investors. All right, everybody, let's jump into my conversation with Jared, poignant to the point about all this volatility. It's a real pleasure to kind of wrap the week here in a very volatile and interesting week in markets with the Daily Dirt Nap author, Mr. Jared Dillian. Uh, also, the latest uh, graduation commencement keynote. Yeah. <laughs> did you how watch that, it? How, I did. I did. I listened to it. It was good. Cool. Yeah. What, what, how did how'd that come about? How you know? Did you ever thought you'd be uh, giving the keynote address at a graduation uh believe it or not i did but i didn't know when um i'm pretty involved in coastal carolina you know i taught there for five years and i know a lot of the faculty so um i actually wasn't their first choice they were gonna have a member of the wall family that donated the money to set the business school but they backed out so they called me with like six weeks to go apparently it was i was on their long list of people to talk and um so I got the call. So, mm-hmm. what kind of preparation did you do for that keynote? Because I mean, obviously, you write hundreds of words a day, thousands of words a day. So you know, it had to have been set in stone already. Uh, no, I. So I was in San Diego when I got the email, and I was actually sick. And then I flew back home, and I wrote the speech on the plane. Um, wrote the whole speech on the plane. It's not super long. It's like. 1700 words so uh and and i wrote it in one shot and i didn't really edit it and that's what i went with so do you feel like there's like expectations to give a graduation keynote the hoorah rah go get them tiger the end of it uh well you it def- you definitely don't want it to be a downer right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't want like some depressing speech uh, right. I don't think mine was depressing. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty inspirational. So, 
Yeah. Well, it was pointed. I mean, I remember there was a couple of things that you had said in the speech that you had also written in the uh, in the dirt nap. Uh, one of those, like, you know, you if you want to make more money, you decide to go out and make more money. If you don't want to make more money, you decide to not make more money. It was just something you had written in the newsletter, which is, I think, is very poignant, right? Like, it's kind of... Yeah, really what I said is you get to choose how much money you have. It's a choice. Like, and once you understand that, that's a very powerful concept. Um, We all get to choose how much money we have. It is absolutely a choice for everybody in the world, you know? So. Yeah. What was your kind of... um... What was your epiphany that you decided you wanted to make more money? Uh, I was like 23, 24 years old, and uh, I was in the Coast Guard, and I was like reading about finance. And uh, the first book I read was A Random Walk Down Wall Street by Burton Malkiel. And it talked a little bit about traders. And I'm like, wow, being a trader sounds like fun. So a friend of mine actually was a trader on Wall Street. and. I called him up and I'm like, what do you do? He's like, well, I'm an over-the-counter trader. So he traded NASDAQ stocks. And, but I didn't know what that meant. Like when he said over-the-counter, I had this picture in my head of like him standing behind like a lunch counter and handing out like stock certificates. Like I, I really didn't know what that meant. Um, and it's kind of hard. Now I was in business school at the time. It's kind of hard to um, really understand what, Wall Street's like until you go visit it. So, you know, I made many, many trips out to New York, uh, doing informational interviews and tours and stuff like that, like talking to people and um, getting to know what the job was all about. So, what about uh, in your keynote? You were discussing about your goal was to be the best financial writer out on the available today. You know, yeah. what, what was it about writing, specifically financial writing, that really was kind of a, a beacon of light for you? What was it? Uh, well, that kind of started when I was at Lehman. So I was at Lehman from 2001 to 2008. And uh, around 2003, we started getting the Gartman letter. Uh, and I don't want to say that Dennis Gartman was an inspiration, because he kind of wasn't, because uh, I didn't really like his letter that much. Um, I thought a lot of it was dumb, but I said, God, what a job this is. Like you sit somewhere and you write about markets and send it out and get paid. And I'm like, this is the best job in the world. So I started doing a lot of other research on other newsletters. And it was funny when I started the daily dirt nap, I must've looked up about 20 different financial newsletters and I emailed them and I said, I'm starting a financial newsletter. Do you have any advice? And the emails that I got were amazing. Like there was a lot of people that said, don't do it. It's terrible. Don't do it. They're like, we work like hell and we make like $30,000 a year. Like it's, it's terrible business. You shouldn't do it. And that only made me want to do it even more, you know? So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like from my standpoint is when I started the podcast, I, there was, a couple other people doing podcasts, but not many, right? And so I'd reach out to them and ask for advice and that type of thing and blessings. And, you know, everybody else was like, yeah, go out and do it. Like it's uh, You got a different kind of platform and uh, angle to it all. 
Uh, and obviously that's just grown. Um, all right. Well, that's okay. Enough of the, you know, pleasantry chit chat. I, I do find it pretty amazing to like listen to your experience in the background of how you got to where you are right now, Jared, Jared. but I do want to, we got to talk about Marcus. This was just an incredibly interesting week. Uh, not only watching price action, we have the CPI inflation data that came out. Um, I, I want to get a, a broader sense of bear market sentiment here uh, in this kind of liquidity-driven event we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, before we get into some nitpicky ideas, you know, how are you approaching this market right now? And we see further downside, but it almost seems like it's incredibly overexhausted. Yeah, I'm pretty bullish here. Um you know, above and beyond all the stuff you hear in the news about Kathy Wood, like pivoting and buying GM and, you know, David Tepper covering his NASDAQ short, stuff like that. Like there's a lot of big salmon indicators out there, but I'm also hearing some chatter. You know, I talked to my broker the other day and he's like, he's like, you know, my clients were pretty stalwart uh, for the, you know, for most of this move, but he says now they're starting to sell. Like now they're, and that's usually the way it works. Like, you know, retail always capitulates at the bottom, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, I was, uh, I, you know, you know, it's funny. I did this sort of like emergency late night issue of the daily dirt nap on Tuesday night where I was talking about the CPI print. And, um, while I was writing it, this jerk off dentist who used to subscribe to my newsletter and like, he never had anything good to say. Like he was always like a huge penis and he started literally like mocking me you know, for being long stocks, like while I was writing this newsletter, mm -hmm. I was like, God, there are no coincidences. I mean, this is, you know, um, so, it, you know, I just, for me, like sentiment is just having your eyes open and just listening to what people are saying and how they're feeling. And, mm -hmm. uh, and when I look at the price action, you know, it really, you know, I think a lot of the selling is exhausted. And, you know, the thing with markets is, people do what works, right? So they do what works until it doesn't work anymore. So, you know, when I look at the tape, I kind of see people pressing shorts, you know, pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing because that's what's worked for the last three months. And they're, they're going to do it until they get their heads ripped off, you know, mm -hmm. um, which I think is going to come soon. So. Well, I, I want to ask you kind of this, the, this action, the movement in the tape, if it reminds you of, other maybe bear markets that you've been involved in because from what I've seen is obviously bear markets tend to go, the trend is down, but it, there has to be a little bit of a bounce and rebounds placed in there in between the way. And in fact, a lot of times I see is when panic crashes happen, you're already in a bear market eventually. So can I, how, like, can I, walk us through your experience and what you're seeing with this market compared to previous bear markets. Yeah, I think this is a lot like 2011 during the European debt crisis. In both cases, you in both cases you had a prevailing narrative. And in 2011, it was that you know European bond yields were going to go to infinity. Europe would be bankrupt. It would crash the financial system. And at the bottom in 2011, like that was very very consensus. Like everybody believed that. Um, and what is the narrative today? Well, the narrative today is that we have eight percent inflation. Inflation is out of control. It's going to continue to go higher. Um, we're going to be hiking rates to four or five, six percent or whatever. It's going to cause a recession. It's going to cause stagflation. 
Like that's the narrative today and it's consensus. And the thing about these narratives when they get to be consensus is that they tend to be wrong and something else happens. So one of the things I like to talk about with trading is that you get to these extremes in markets and, you know, for example, if in order to buy stocks today, it's really an act of faith because there's no evidence out there that these things aren't going to happen. There's no evidence. So the only thing you know is that positioning is very, very crowded and that sentiment is very bearish, but you know, that's all you have to go on. So if you want to catch these big turning points, it's you're you're acting without evidence. But you have to have conviction. So where's your conviction coming from right now? Well, my conviction is coming from um Really, it's it, it's it's coming from sentiment, and um, you know all the things that's happened in the last couple of days. Um, you know, I th- people talk too much about Kathy Wood. I don't want to talk about her too much, but you can't underestimate the significance of the biggest bull of all time starting to capitulate on her view when her fund is down seventy percent. Like that's like the significance of that you, that cannot be overstated. Like that's really really a big deal. Um, so, you know, when you're talking, when, you know, in terms of trading, like when does the turn happen? Does it happen that day? Does it happen in two days, three days a week, somewhere in the ballpark, you know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. Um, you know, I made a big bullish call for Wednesday. Um, you know, it's not working out great right now, but I think we're in the ballpark. So, uh, and I was feeling that way as well. I mean, you weren't the only financial newsletter writer that I read on a daily basis that had similar views. Um, but it did kind of feel that things were getting way oversold and very exhausted. And it, I, it felt like a turning point was coming. Me, I'm coming from the precious metals and the mining space. But so let's ask, I want to ask you about gold here because you continue to have strong convictions with gold, even though it depends to trade like dog shit. It's coming up, uh, bouncing a little bit as we speak off that 200 day moving average, which is to be expected. But really, what do you feel is the driver here with the precious metals complex and why do you still kind of stand behind your conviction with gold? Um, I mean, I, one of the things I've said in the daily dirt nap is that, or one of the things I've said two minutes ago was that, you know, people do things because they work, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, shorting gold has worked for a long time. And it was funny when I wrote that in the newsletter, I get a comment from an FX guy and he's like, yeah, we set up an algorithm so that anytime gold goes up 5%, we short it. (laughs) So like people, people are doing stuff like that. On the CPI print, gold got slammed, came all the way back, but on the print, it got slammed. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when economic data is released, it doesn't matter if the data is hot or cold or good or bad, gold always goes down on the print. It doesn't matter what the data is. Gold always goes down on the print. And the crazy thing about that is like, it sort of flies in the face of efficient market theory. Because if you knew that gold always goes down on economic data, then you would just short it two minutes before and then buy it when it goes down, and that would get arbitraged away over time. But it still works. So I really look, you know, the whole manipulation thing, like whatever, I don't want to get into that. 
I just, I, th- I think, you know, one of the reasons that gold is under so much pressure is because people are just doing what works. It's worked for a long time and it's a habit and it's going to continue until they get their heads ripped off. You know, well, what, well, what could be that turning point? I mean, with gold, we've talked about the general markets, but with gold, what would be a turning point where people start, you know, start buying rather than shorting the damn thing? I mean, I hate to say this, but Russia drops a tactical nuke on Ukraine, right? Like, you know, gold's at, you know, 1840, it goes to 1940 on a single print, and you have, like, furious short covering for the next two days. Like, that could happen. But sometimes, you know, people always say, like, what's the catalyst? Sometimes there is no catalyst. It just gets exhausted, you know? So, I mean, this has been, this has been hell. It's been very frustrating. I mean, gold's my biggest position. It sucks, you know, but, um, the one thing I will say about gold is that it kind of seems like it hasn't worked in years and it never works. And it's like, why am I in this trade? It does work, has a history of working. And when it does, it's amazing. You get the, it trends and trends and trends and it really works. And, you know, so that's, you know. It's not like gold is never going to have a bull market again, because it absolutely is. Well, and I also wonder about gold as in safe haven demand, right? Now, we've seen a massive move to the dollar. The Dixie just gone straight up. Uh, And you were the first one that I had read to actually say you may look at a a bond rally here, which is quite interesting. It got me into a trade just based on your thoughts uh, in bonds. Now, bonds obviously seen as a safe haven. Uh, type of investment. In fact, uh, I, I will admit that a parent on my son's soccer team who works in private equity said that her firm actually went out and 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 put together and bought some uh, municipals. So you know, you I can kind of see some smart money moving into this into the bond sector with yields not great, but at least you know you get something into in return in this volatility, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing with bonds, gold, bonds, and stocks are all the same trade at this point. So if you think about it, it, there, it gold, w- which you think should be an inflation hedge, actually benefits from lower inflation. Why? Because if CPI goes down, then the Fed doesn't have to hike as much, which provides more liquidity, which is good for gold. If CPI comes in lower, then the Fed doesn't have to hike as much, and that's good for bonds. CPI comes in lower, that's obviously good for stocks. You've seen like 100% correlation between gold stocks and bonds over the last three or four weeks. It's all the same trade, you know? So really, if you have these positions on, what you're betting is that inflation is going to moderate, okay? And what you're, if you look at inflation expectations in the tips market, like inflation expectations have been coming down over the last couple of weeks. So that will feed into the data at some point. And you know, even though the the CPI number was kind of a was kind of a problem today, like it, it's the headline number was still lower. Right. You know, core was higher, but the headline number was still lower. Like we're sort of in this phase where everybody is so negative, and they're they're looking they're looking for things to focus on that are bad. You know, like if if we were in a bull market, people would see inflation coming in two tenths lower. And they would buy stocks, you know? So a lot of it, it's, it's sort of state dependent. It depends on like what phase you're in in the market. 
Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the inflation print here. Uh, CPI came in at 8.3. Expectations were 8.1. Or excuse me. Yeah, 8.1. But really, it, it was still lower than the 8.4 from last month. But really, I think what caught people off guard was core CPI uh, was higher than expected. It climbed to 6.2% year on year. And you had tweeted out the night before, you know, if inflation comes in lower, stocks will rally. If inflation comes in hotter, stocks will rally. It's a win-win. We're not seeing, but what is interesting is that the futures were much higher before the print. The print comes out absolute rug pull on it and then stocks continue to be choppy through wednesday um you know this is you know i guess how do you decipher where we're at do you really see inflation kind of plateauing here do you you know what do we need to be paying attention to moving forward as investors and traders yeah i do see inflation plateauing um like there's there's been a profound shift in psychology when I say psychology, I mean like mass psychology, like consumer psychology, not necessarily investors. Um, but you look at these charts of like home buying intentions, right? Like, mm-hmm. like these surveys of people like, is it a good time to buy a home? And it's in the toilet. Is it a good time to buy a car? It's in the toilet. Consumer confidence numbers are in the toilet. Like this is, you know, all these economic indicators are leading indicators. Like if you learned in business school about economic indicators, there's leading indicators, coinciding indicators, lagging indicators. Unemployment is a lagging indicator. These are all leading indicators. And they're telling you that the economy is slowing, which should mean that inflation is coming down. Okay. Uh, Okay, so other being long, we are recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Talk about kind of what your thought process is here, being long, seeing a uh, bounce or uh, a move higher from here, but still, as we're talking, market continues to be selling off because of this complete negative sentiment. What is, is there something technically you're looking at to maybe confirm that there's going to be a reversal? Well, I'm looking at a three-day chart of the S&P. The lows are around 39.60. And we're kind of we're kind of forming a base around that level, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll form a base over two, three, four days, um, and then you know. So basically, like, like I said, people do what works. They sell stocks. They sell stocks, and it works. And then it stops working, and it's not working, and it's not working, and they can't push it through support, and that selling becomes exhausted, and then it rips higher. So, um, you know, this being Wednesday, I'm expecting either Thursday or Friday that you're going to have that rip higher, which, you know, which is not just going to be a one or two day phenomenon. It's going to be a multi-week phenomenon. So. And we forget all, we, we forget all the negativity. Yeah. <laughs> I bet, but that, what that we would still technically be in a bear market trend here. Do you believe, or would we kind of bounce ourselves out of this? Um. Yes, we would. Um, so this is this is where it gets hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you go back to the pandemic and we were down thirty five percent and we started to rip, we ripped about five or ten percent. And at some point, you have to decide: is this just a, a correction in a larger downtrend, or is this a new trend? And I got to tell you, after twenty two years of doing this, 
I don't know the answer to that question. You know, a lot of times, like I'll buy the bottom and then it rips five or 10% and I sell, but then it's a new bull market. You know what I mean? And I miss out on all the upside. So I really, I don't know the answer to that question. The one thing I will tell you though, is kind of from a fundamental standpoint, is a lot of these darling stocks from 2020, 2021, you know, Peloton, Coinbase, they're down like 90% from the highs, which feels a lot like 2002 to me. You know, a lot of those tech stocks were down 90, 95, 98% from the highs. And some of them went out of business, but the ones that didn't, they went on to have like 50 to 100 bagger returns, you know? So there's some really big opportunities out there. Um, yeah. Well, it, it, how much of this cryptocurrency Bitcoin trade is maybe dragging a lot of those what once were high flying tech stocks down, you know, it's at critical support as we speak right now. If it drops below this, I think what they say, $29,000 per Bitcoin level, it may not stop until 20. And we've seen the likes of, of Tesla's and a lot of those big cryptocurrency type of equity plays really hinge on the price movement of cryptos. Do you think this could be a drag or do you think it's just risk on with the stock market along with cryptocurrency. So if stock market bounces, cryptos go with it. Yeah, that's what I believe. Yeah. Okay. Simple as that. Jared, what else what else are you paying attention to here? Other than baseball. Yeah. <laughs> uh gosh. Um You know, ags ags are still uh something I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. Corn, wheat, soybeans, um, had a little, you know, we've had this deflationary impulse and you've had a five to 7% correction in a lot of these ags. Um, I think it's a healthy correction and, um, you know, I'm not an expert on this stuff. I know some experts on this stuff and they say, just keep holding it. Just absolutely keep holding it. Um, the risk of a right tail sort of move in the summer, um, is very high. You know, so um, I'm not selling those positions anytime soon. Uh, you've shared the stage with a lot of different people the last couple of weeks. You did the Real Vision Macro Experience. Uh, you held your own conference there um, uh, in South Carolina just what, a week or two ago. Uh, you know, what's something maybe you've learned that and had conversations with that you weren't prepared to or you learned something new? Uh, I got to tell you, you know, Brent Donnelly did a really good presentation at my conference. You should have Brent on. I I can introduce you if you want. I would love to. Um, He's a, he's a very smart guy. He, his background is in FX. He's sort of a, uh, expert in FX. He doesn't do much else. Um, but he's really an expert on like trading psychology and game theory and decision theory and stuff like that. Uh, he has two books, one on currency trading and one on trading in general. And um, he had a presentation at my conference that was very, very good. And uh, he's also, he's kind of a data-driven guy where I'm more of an anecdote-driven guy, you know, so he has lots of data to back stuff up. Okay. It, it, what, it, what was kind of that takeaway? What did you learn from him? Uh, there wasn't really like a, a takeaway. I mean, it just sort of... It was sort of a presentation about all your behavioral biases. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like biases that people have that you may think you don't have, but you do have. So, 
Is it, I've been thinking about that too because uh, you know, unfortunately, in the gold bug space, you know, a lot of people in this area thinks, well, gold is the truth, gold is everything. The market should have been tanking two years ago, and obviously, well, it tanked, but it, you know, it should we should have had a major crash two years ago. And I'm just kind of wondering, you know, like, where do you sense Uber bulls versus the Uber bears? And you know, like, is this is a gold bug being an Uber bear a way of life? <laughs> How do you break that mold? Well, one of the things I think about a lot is that you're this is I don't I don't mean to blow up your podcast with politics, well, but people's like people's preferences in the market are largely driven by their political beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if you've noticed this, but the energy bulls, the resource bulls they're all Republican or right wing, right? And the people who like tech stocks and bonds and deflationary trades are all left wing. It's, it, have you ever noticed that? Uh, I say stere- stereotypical thought, yes, but obviously, you know, I think it's mixed in general. I've, I have seen a lot of online day traders that have done really well trading the Teslas and the meme stocks still kind of have it out and, and disagree with the left party. Yeah. The like the only gold bug that I know that's a Democrat is Frank Justra. Right. I don't think, you know, yeah, baby. I don't know if you know enough Democrats. <laughs> I mean, I, and, I, and maybe I'm going to get some hell for this and I will admit, uh, I still am currently, a registered Democrat, though a closet one. But that's closet just one. I, I've been too lazy to go independent. The politics well, is just, it's just gotten too much. Like I just disagree with all, like almost everything on every side. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, anyway, getting back to your original question, uh, the thing that makes me different from the gold bugs, like I have, like I have, like eighty percent overlap with the gold bugs. But the thing that makes me different is that one day I will sell gold. I will absolutely sell it. And I have a price, <clears throat> 2500 gets to 2500 an ounce, I'm going to sell it. Absolutely. Because you know, we've had this 20-year period or 22-year period from 2000 to 2022 where we've had rising gold prices. It's been sort of a secular bull market in gold. Mm-hmm. You know, we will have another secular bear market in gold. And let's say gold rallies to 2,500, the outlook for gold will be the most bullish when it gets there. You know, it will just mm-hmm. seem like an obvious trade. So my, my intention is to sell it. I do not intend to hold it forever. And what happens to people is that they're in a trade and it works and they just, they refuse to sell. Like you have to take profits at some point. Right. Well, I mean, and I, it is, can be known as a great liquidity tool, right? You store yeah. it when you when you and, and save it until you absolutely need something because you know there will always be a buyer for it, and that's the history. It'll always be there. 
Uh, Jared, that's a good conversation. Uh, we, we, we tackled a lot of different things and sorry for throwing you some curveballs in there, but uh, I do want you to know that, uh, the newsletter has been top notch lately. I enjoy reading it. Uh, the, the Tuesday night surprise before the CPI print, uh, I got that and I kind of did this, Oh shit, something important's going on. Cause Jared just sent out, uh, an email, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was good. And I, and I, and I want you to know, like I, you, I, when, I, I'm worried about your stomach. You said you threw up in the bushes heading out the <laughs> office, man. Like you should take care of your, you should take care of yourself. I have, I have, a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very nervous person, and I have a nervous stomach. I get motion sickness very easily. Uh, you were in the Coast Guard. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. I used to get sick all the time. I have a really bad stomach, but well, like really, when I when I get a case of the nerves, like I will throw up. And, you know, I sent out this newsletter on Tuesday night, you know, about the CPI print. And I was really, really nervous about it. And I puked on the way out to the car. So you couldn't have been the worst Coast Guard cadet ever. (laughs) 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 Oh, man, I don't know. That's crazy. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Well, uh, take care of yourself. Uh, Enjoy the riding. And uh, honestly, if anybody out there listening is interested in Jared's work, uh, the daily dirt nap is where you can find it. Uh, Jared, have yourself a great weekend and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Okay, we're back here with our second segment of the Mining Stock Daily Long Form episode this week. A uh, quick reminder, I'll be attending the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference next week. Uh, we're going to have just a ton of corporate updates out of the junior mining sector uh, that will be aired throughout the week. Uh, and there will be no MSD extra. Uh, so just a quick note on uh, programming for next week. Uh, happy to welcome in Mr. Jordan Royburn. He's the editor, author of The Daily Gold. Uh, Jordan, we just had a conversation with The Daily Dirt Nap, Jared Dillian, regarding overall market sentiment and how he thinks things are just so terrible sentiment-wise that uh, there could be a little bit of a bounce here in the general markets. I really want to focus on the precious metals and the junior mining sector with you, both in regards to technicals, what you're seeing on the chart, uh, the ugliness that we're seeing all around, but also in regards to sentiment and what this means for precious metals. So I know it's going to be a hefty conversation. I think you are just the guy to do it. So lucky you. Yes, lucky me. Well, I hope I can bring some uh, clarity and some uh, optimism to the audience today. Oh, I, we love optimism. We will take any optimism we can get because it has been downright awful. Uh, let's. Gold has busted through that 200-day moving average. Uh, that looks pretty ugly. Uh, Dave Kranzler of the Mining Stock Journal, who writes our metals commentary in the briefing, made me laugh out loud the other morning when he wrote that silver looks like it's digging for the center of the earth. And many junior miners are almost trading close to 
basically the valuations of their cash in the bank. It's really ugly out there, Jordan. Yeah, it really is. Well, yeah, I mean, trading close to the cash of the bank, that's where someone like Rick Rule would probably come in and say they're trading close to their intrinsic value. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right, let's talk with uh, Precious. Let's talk about the metals themselves here. Uh, what do we take with this move in gold? Uh, do we find a bottom here? What's it really trading upon? Is it? It seems like the bond market, uh, the move in the dollars, having wreaking havoc. What's this action telling you? Well, the action in gold over the last really last couple of days, but really today, gold is starting to crack. And I think that's a function of everything is being sold. And, you know, up until a couple of days ago, there was really no place to hide. I mean, you had stocks, bonds, and gold were all getting trashed. And, you know, now we're seeing the bond market get a bit of a bid. I think it's possible that yields or bonds at bottom and yields have peaked, although we don't have confirmation of that. That will be a good thing for gold, uh, you know, as the days and weeks go by. Um, but that's, you know, we're, we've been in a severe sell-off and it, it's, uh, there's, there's been no place to hide except cash and, you know, gold as a function of that has started to get hit, uh, in this part of the sell-off and, you know, technically gold had really good support around 1840, 1835. And I mean, it just blew through that in less than two days. So we know that this is a different kind of a sell-off. Uh, the next strong support level for me is around 1780 on the weekly chart. I mean, if you look at the monthly, uh, maybe 1750, 1760, those areas could come into play. Uh, the mining stocks, I mean, GDX and GDXJ, uh, they're really, really close to support. So I think um, I agree with uh, Jared, and I do think we're setting up here for a pretty good bounce. Um, it's probably going to, and gold, gold stocks in the stock market are probably going to bounce together because they've all been trashed at the same time. Uh, but I think that, you know, bigger picture, I mean, it's possible we could be setting up for a bottom in precious metals within a couple of days, but it could be a couple of weeks or a month or two. So I know that's a huge range, um, but mm -hmm. I do think. We're closing in on an important bottom at some point soon. And with regard to sentiment, you know, I always, when sentiment's really bad, you always want to look at technical levels and where, that's what I try and do. If sentiment's bad, okay, if the market's really selling off, you have to look for where are the really strong support points. And that's where, you know, the market is likely to find a bottom because that's where shorts will cover and some buying will come in. And, you know, if you look at the S&P, for example, which is traded, I mean, it's rallying a little bit, actually. I mean, it traded into the 3,800s today. You have the 40-month moving average at 3,600, which is really significant support. If you go back 40 years or so, uh, 3,800 is a retracement level. I know that Bank of America and fund managers, they've been thinking, you know, the Fed, where the Fed will have to stop. They've been saying that could be 3700 around that point. So the S&P is is just a little bit more selling uh could bring it to an important low and you know say, uh, same thing with gold where it's at 18 uh you know trading around 1820. I mean just a little bit more selling there. It's going to be at a really strong support level. And also, you know, looking at GDX and GDXJ, I mean GDX 
has a lot of support around 29.30. I mean, it, it right now it's coming down to where it made that double bottom last year and early this year. Um, so that that's a level where it's close to bounce bouncing. GDXJ, I I've been looking at 35 and also 34. It's trading down to 35 today. So in the big picture, I do think at worst we're probably a day or two away from some kind of a rally. Uh, in in probably everything, but look, you know, look more specifically, looking at uh, the miners, you know, they've had uh, about four days or so. They gapped down. They've been selling off. They gapped down again today. So when you get that many gaps, it's, it, it reflects an emotional market. And you know, if we get another gap down, I think that would in, within hours, like if we were to get a gap down tomorrow or a gap down on Monday, I think that that day would be the bottom. Because sometimes, you know, the market gets really emotional. And when you see so many gaps in a row, there's always one where it's like the final gap and then the market's going to reverse course. So it's it's obviously been a very difficult uh, period. But I think that, uh, again, even in a worst case scenario, we are setting up for a rebound, in the, which probably is days away if not hours away from beginning uh, where we should yeah. see some kind of a bounce. Okay. So I, I do want to ask you about the, the miners, the actual producers, the gold producers here. We we've had a couple of weeks of production and financial announcements that have come and hit the market. People can read up at those. Uh, so I want to pair that with a couple of things that are also going on with the macro economy. Uh, we're seeing energy prices continue to rise. There is uh, inventory lows of diesel in New York. I am not an energy expert, nor specifically a diesel expert, but that seems like a bad thing, uh, especially if you need diesel for producing your metal throughout North America. Um, we have... Obviously, inflation that came in hotter than expected. PPI came in hotter. Um, you know, uh, CPI came in a little bit hotter. That's a problem. And if you look at these financials with the big producers here, Jordan, we were seeing all in sustaining costs gap up to a point where it's close to or above all in or the, the spot price of the metal. It certainly was a week ago, and it's more now. Than ever after this drop in the gold price, I'm just questioning: like, are these companies at all investable with this current environment? And what needs to happen if if, if energy prices are going to come down? Doesn't gold need to go to 2,500 bucks to make this thing even feasible? Yes, absolutely. I mean, one an error that I made in the last. Uh you know, call it three or four or five months or even six months or so, you know, looking at the technicals last year and this big correction in gold in terms of time, I was thinking, okay, 1900, you know, you have monthly, weekly, daily, quarterly resistance at 1900. That's really the key. Once we get above 1900, things will start to shift. Well, because of the persistent cost inflation, I think now the level is really the all-time high, you know, call it, if you're looking at a weekly or a monthly I mean, two thousand dollars. You know, twenty fifty. Those are basically we gold needs to get above those levels uh, for margins to re-expand again. I mean, if gold's sitting here at eighteen hundred, you know, nineteen hundred, that's not going to do it given the uh, given the pricing pressures uh, or, or cost pressures, I should say. I mean, inflation is really hitting 
operations, as you know, as you documented. So, yeah, I just I don't think we're it's just a situation where the gold price has to go above two thousand twenty fifty, and uh, you know it, it, there's two cup and handles. There's one that targets twenty five hundred. There's another one that targets three thousand, and then the log target is thirty seven hundred to forty one hundred. I mean, I am I am on record. I do think we're going to hit that log target before twenty twenty five. Uh, but that's just the reality. Until gold makes that new all-time high, we're not going to see margins re-expand, and the stocks are going to lag gold. And um, you know that means exploration companies in silver are going to lag, especially. Now they'll all probably bottom at the same time. But you know when gold starts rallying, it's going to be the best producers that attract the capital inflows first. And I, I think you have to take it on a company by company basis. Uh, Mining is a very tough business, and we're you know it's very cyclical, and I mean we're seeing that. But um, you know the good news is, if if you can find a junior, even a larger company, if they're growing production and they don't have problems, and they have you know some decent assets, uh, those stocks are going to be making huge gains if and when gold breaks to a new all time high and hits those targets. So that that's the reality. It's the I mean. It's one of the first stages is we need to see gold break out and we can talk about the macro, but that th- these st- companies are just going to remain under pressure uh, re- in, in a relative sense until that happens. Okay. I, I, I do want to talk to you about the macro. Let's table that for just one more question. Cause before we get that, I want to ask you, what are you doing this month? Are you tr- looking to, catch a falling knife are you looking for a bottom will you be deploying capital into the junior sector well i mean i i deployed uh quite a bit already it wasn't at the, at the best time um uh, i mean i do have a little cash but i i i think when you're you know mostly fully exposed to the market you don't really want to double down even though we're setting up for a really good buying opportunity so i might I might pick at a few things here and there. I mean, if I was, what I, I will say this, I think if you have a lot of cash, it's best to, you probably want to put some to work immediately given where we are. And then, you know, wait a couple of weeks, a month perhaps, you put some more to work, you know, and then you could put the rest to work when we get some kind of confirmation that things have turned around. So I would, I would deploy cash in that manner. I wouldn't deploy it all in one shot. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, heavily exposed to the sector, you know, with my investments, you know, professionally as well. So I don't, you know, I do have leverage plays that'll do well when things turn around. So I don't feel the need to, you know, put all the remaining cash that I have, um, in, you know, into the market immediately. But I will say this, I mean, if you are fully exposed, but you have a little bit of cash, I would put that to work in the best, you know, your your best stocks, the things you're most confident in. And for me, that a lot of those are growth oriented producers. I, I just think exploration stocks and silver are, again, they'll probably bottom at the same time as gold stocks, but they're probably going to lag on the way up until we see gold go above 2100. So, I mean, that's that's just my take on things. There's a cycle as to how things can perform. But um, yeah, I would just, you know, I would, I would focus on, and I'm a technical guy, but I always say this, you know, focus on 
companies, you know, do your research, focus on company selection, company analysis, you know, really take a second and third hard look at these companies. And if you do that, you're going to be able to figure out which ones are going to get the buying first, you know, which ones will recover the fastest. And look, there, when we see gold break above 2000, that'll be a time when you can invest in some lower quality stuff that can, you know, go up 5x or 10x or even more than that when we get a real bull market but i just think here and now you know focus on your favorites your quality stuff first and then wait for the market to break out then get into that other stuff later okay Uh, sound advice there jordan okay let's talk about the macro Uh, a lot of interesting moves here the dollar is pushing up to close to 105 multi-year multi-decade high obviously um bonds are actually starting to get a bit it seemed like that three percent around that 10 year uh was kind of the name of the game there that was enough to get people interested in bonds once again uh so there is a little bit of safe haven trading going in except gold's not involved uh you what are you watching here on on the macro environment uh, you said it. I'm watching the bond market. I'm watching the yield curve. I'm watching the 10-year. I'm watching the two-year because the two-year is a proxy for the Fed. Uh, and so I, I think we're, you know, I haven't taken a look at it today because I've been, you know, on on doing interviews and so forth. But um, I, you know, we are starting to see yields come down a little bit, but that that's really what you want to watch is the 10-year yield and the two-year yield. Uh, if we see these things fall under their 50-day moving averages, that could be a pretty telling signal. Um, and, and look, the Fed follows the bond market. So if we get a huge rally in the bond market, the Fed is going to have to shift course. In addition to everything else we're looking at, the fact that the S&P uh, was in 3,800s today, um, you know, high-yield spreads are starting to blow out a little bit. You know, The dollar's at 105. That's going to cause problems globally. So, you know, policy has tightened quite a bit already. The Fed probably wants to get some more in there before they shift course. But, you know, the markets might, if they keep moving like this for another couple of days, uh, the Fed might have to stop altogether. So I, I think, you know, gold will bottom and rebound when the market senses the Fed is done hiking and shifting policy. When the Fed actually has to uh, cut rates. Uh, and if you see Congress talking about you know, fiscal stimulus, I mean, those things will be later in the year, potentially. But when you see those things happening, that's when gold will break out. But first and foremost, it's the Fed shifting policy that will secure the bottom in in this sector. Uh, as you know, when they look, typically going back, you know, the last sixty years or so, it's something I talked about three or four years ago, years ago, going back over the last 60 years or so, uh, when the Fed stopped hiking rates, that coincided with many a bottoms in precious metals and significant bottoms. So I don't, I mean, how many more hikes can the Fed get in? You know, maybe one or two, maybe at the next meeting, they only hike 25. That's going to be a, the start of a shift. Remember, there was a thought they could hike 75, but they only did 50. So at the next meeting, maybe they only hike 25. You know, that's going to be the first sign. And then if that's the last hike, uh, that's another good signal for precious metal. So, yeah, it, it, it comes back to the bond market. Watch the 10-year and the two-year. You know, watch them, uh, watch them roll over here and go lower. At least that's my prediction. Uh, and because money, 
you know, look, markets, they're always forward looking. Everybody's talking about inflation. Um, but um, I, I think that, you know, the markets, I, I, I think that inflation is not going to come down precipitously, but even if it only, if it, if it comes down from 8% to you know, 6%, 5%, 4%, that's still really bad for the economy, but that's going to be enough for the Fed to have to shift course. And so they're going to be in, it, they could be in a real pickle later this year when you still have inflation at, you know, 4%, but a lot of other indicators are saying, you know, we're about to have a recession. You know, that's, that's when you have real stagflation. You know, we haven't, I guess you could say we've had stagflation, but I mean, a year ago, that wasn't really stagflation because the economy was still, you had high inflation, but you still had real economic growth. Uh, but now, you know, later this year, that's when you're going to be hitting real stagflation, in my estimation. Um, so, I, I do want to ask you, kind of broad sense, uh, you're a student of market history, Jordan. Um, so we, we've it's been a, a really tough couple months. In fact, maybe even worse couple weeks here. But I want to get your thoughts on trends within bear markets and uh listen sentiments obviously incredibly low i think a lot of us are expecting a bounce but that doesn't mean that the bear market is over that's just a natural technical way of market moves so i wanted to get your sense here on longevity of a bear market and how long you really think this thing could last before the Federal Reserve comes in and you said it, reverse course, maybe instead of raising 50 basis points, they come and say, well, we're only going to raise 25 this go around, which would be very telling in itself. That would be the Fed put is still alive, right? Yeah, I think the Fed put, well, it's still, it, it's still going to be alive at some point because we're seeing that the market really the broad market like really can't survive when the fed takes away uh liquidity and when they tighten financial conditions uh but with it, it's a good question with respect to bear markets if you have like a mega bear market you know a 40 or 50 percent one like a a 2000 2007 1973 style bear you know i went back and looked at those what i noticed is you know there was a pretty good bear market rally kind of after the first decline. And so, you know, that bear market rally last, you know, it, it, it eventually rolled over in the ninth or the 10th month of those bear markets. So we're barely, we're not even a full five months into this. So in any event, we could see a multi-month rebound in the stock market. And, and yet later in the year, you could still have, uh, you could still, the market could roll over again. And then people could realize, oh crap, you know, this is a, all right, this is a full-blown bear market and recession that we're in. Uh, but, you know, in this scenario that we're not going into recession, you could still get a pretty good oversold bounce in something that lasts several months and, you know, maybe the market is able to rally back close to the high. I don't really see that happening, but I'm just pointing out that in either, even in the mm -hmm. scenario where the market is going to have a, you know, 40%, 50% type of bear market, uh, it's setting up, I mean, it could rally for, you know, three or four months uh, after this low, potentially over the next couple of days. Now, 
I mean, there's also the scenario where we're at the beginning of a crash decline and what we've seen today could last for a couple more days and the S&P could, you know, go below the 40 month at uh, 3,600. You know, maybe gold comes down to the lower 1,700s. I mean, that's also a scenario that would get the Fed, the Fed would immediately stop, you know, stop the tightening of policy. And I think, I think at, you know, at, at best, you know, the Fed probably redo, they shift their course by the end of the summer at worst, you know, it could happen in the next week or two, depending on how much, <laughs> seriously, depending on how much more. Seriously? You think yeah. it, that's, that's pretty egregious, actually. That's, I haven't heard that one. I've seen, I've seen a lot of stuff this week. That's, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, I'm giving it a, re- I'm giving it a really big window. Uh, because honestly, I mean, honestly, I believe that if we get, you know, if the S&P, if we're in the middle of, of a, a crash type of decline that could last another week, you know, that that's going to cause the Fed to shift immediately. I mean, if not, I still think that they'll probably have to shift course in the next month or two, honestly. Okay. Uh, Jordan, I know you've done a ton of interviews today, so I'm happy you could fit us into your busy schedule and hopefully wrap your day with us. And it was a good conversation, a lot to take in a lot to watch. Um, we'll look, we'll look towards your way for some more insight and thoughts on not only the broader market, but also precious metals moving forward. It is a very interesting time. I do kind of feel a bounce is coming. We'll see, but the trajectory continues to be bearish i will say this for our sector a bounce is coming and i do think we're coming into a very very significant low here in the next month or two that this is going to be a 2020 2008 uh type of low that we're coming into all right that's bullish all right jordan thanks so much for your time have yourself a great weekend my friend hey thank you trevor always a pleasure to be on And that's a wrap for us here this week on Mining Stock Daily. If you're in Vancouver at the Resource Investment Conference next week, I'll be with Yukon Mining Alliance. So find me there, tap my shoulder, I'll shake your hand, introduce yourself, all that fun stuff. Have yourself a great weekend. I look forward to being back, my home away from home, Vancouver, BC. See you there. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.